Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to I want to jump into Genesis chapter twenty-eight. Now we have come. Heather talked about um, the Isaac, and what a, I was listening to her podcast this afternoon. I was on my way home from Dallas, and was really encouraged by the son, the spouse, and the sower. Is that right? Isaac the son, Isaac the spouse, and Isaac the sower. That was, that was well done. And so tonight we're going to jump into the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob's life is, is several chapters, so we're just going to begin in his life tonight. We have to walk through because there's some really important things I want to bring out about Jacob. Uh, some things that I'm going to reiterate for you that we've talked about concerning this great man of faith. But then there's some, some new things, I believe, that are going to really bless you tonight. So are you ready to get into the Word? Um, Greg Farlow, it's good to see you, man. Jacob, uh, Heather talked a little bit about this when she said that Jacob, you know, when he, they called him Jacob because his, his name means supplanter because when he came out of the womb, he reached out and grabbed his brother's heel and his brother Esau's heel. And, but there was a prophecy or a, or a proclamation by God to Rebekah while she was in labor with these boys, and she was saying that, why am I travailing like this? And the Lord said, there are two nations in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. And so God had already designed that. God had already planned that to be. Esau came out first, and Jacob, that was a symbol that God's word would come true as his hand was on Esau's heel. And he was all about that blessing um, the blessing of the, uh, of the birthright. And Esau, the scripture says, despised his birthright. He didn't appreciate what it meant. And so uh, Esau was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman, and he made stew and all kinds of meat for his dad. His dad loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob was the indoorsman, and Esau was the outdoorsman. And Rebekah loved him. And she knew about this deal that took place when Esau came in, um, from hunting one day, and he was famished, and he said, I'm about to die. You know, like we say that very thing, but uh, we learned that from Genesis. I'm so hungry, I'm dying, I'm starving to death. And so Jacob saw the opportunity and said, you know what? And he knew, apparently he knew that his brother didn't think much of his birthright, that he would offer him a bowl of his stew in trade for that birthright, knowing that there was a good chance that Esau would buy it, and he did. And he said, yeah, I'll try to do it. I don't care about that. So he ate, and then Jacob then received the birthright. Therefore, Jacob received the right as the older brother. And then when it came time, of course, to, um, uh, for Isaac to go on to um, his, his reward, that he called for Esau, told Esau to go make me, make me something to eat, go hunt, give me some of your game, and then when you return, I will bless you. And so... Rebecca overhears the conversation. Esau goes off to hunt. Jacob comes in. She says, Jacob, come here. Your dad's about to give the blessing, and that's rightfully your blessing. So I want you to go in and act like you're Esau. And Jacob really fought her on that. He did not want to do this. Matter of fact, he said, lest dad, I seem to dad as a deceiver and a curse come upon me instead of a blessing. And she said, the curse be upon me. You just obey what I tell you to do. 
And Jacob gets denigrated for this moment right here. But really, Rebekah was more the deceiver than anybody else. Jacob was simply doing what his mother told him to do. All right? He was, she said, you'll obey my voice. You'll obey every command. And he said, yes, ma'am. And so she put some hair, animal's hair on his hands and arms because Esau was a hairy man. And even when Jacob went in to his father, bringing that bowl of, of stew, stew that they made at the house, and his dad said, is this Jacob, or is this Esau? He said, yes. And so he put his hand down there. His dad felt it. He says, feels like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. And Jacob didn't even try to disguise his own voice because you, you can feel his reservation to even do this. But yet he did have the right to it because Esau no longer wanted it. So then Jacob was blessed by uh, Isaac, his father. And I just want to read something that his father said to him in Genesis 28. And this was after, um, this, this wasn't at that moment. This wasn't the initial blessing that he blessed Jacob with. This was when Jacob was leaving after Esau came home and found out that his brother had received the blessing that he thought he was supposed to receive when really he wasn't supposed to receive it. Jacob rightfully had it. So Jacob tried to get his dad to change his mind, and I, or Esau tried to get his dad to change his mind, and Isaac just wouldn't change his mind. He said, no, I've already blessed, and it can't be reversed. Isn't that great about the blessing of God? All right? Now, he has blessed you, and it cannot be reversed. So Jacob, so Esau, one of those guys, Isaac calls Jacob into his tent because Esau now is furious, and, and he has made a vow to kill Jacob. So Rebekah says, your brother's going to kill you. You need to get out of here. So then Isaac calls him in before he leaves. And he says in Genesis 28, verse 3, may God Almighty bless you. And when we talked about God Almighty, you remember the first time God introduced himself as God Almighty was to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. And it means El Shaddai. They also, we went through that series, Our God of Abundance. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of of peoples, verse 4, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So we see here that now this blessing of Abraham is a multi-generational blessing. And so much so that God even called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But very similar, this blessing was, and I just want to remind you, Abraham's what God said to Abraham in Genesis 17. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, we see it again. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then Genesis 28, verse 12, says this, Then he, speaking of Jacob, dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac 
The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad. Same kind of blessing, right? From Father Abraham, Father Isaac, now to Jacob. Shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This blessing continued to be passed down from generation to generation. And don't forget, you're part of this generational blessing because Paul taught us in Galatians that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Look at verse 15 of Genesis 28. Now behold, this is God speaking still to Jacob in this blessing. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. I want to remind you that every time we gather here, the Lord is here. Every time we gather in this setting right here as members of the body of Christ, the Lord is here. Don't ever take this for granted. Don't ever take this moment right here for granted because you could somewhat be asleep and not realize the Lord is here. But if you'll approach the house of God, if you'll approach the gathering of God, that when, I, when we meet together, the Lord is here with us. And when the Lord is here, anything's possible. My life can change. My situation can change. Amen. I can receive healing. There's restoration there. There's peace there. There's refuge. There's power there. All right? So always remember that, that this is a sacred thing that's happening here tonight. It's a sacred moment. This is Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The key is to be here. Just to be here. Be here. Be here. Be here. Amen. And be here with an expectant heart. Be here with that awareness that God is in our midst. God is in this place and amongst us. Amen. And, and, and he, he longs to show himself strong on our behalf. He loves his church. Matter of fact, it says that Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself for her. He loves this gathering. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, we talk about the importance of first-mentioned things in the Scriptures. Remember in Genesis 15, as I showed you in, in that chapter alone, the first time we see the word vision, it's the first time we see the words fear not. It's the first time we see the word reward. It's the first time we see the word righteousness. It's the first time we see the word believe. Wow. There's another one. I can't remember what it is now. But it's like six first there, right there in Genesis chapter 15. No wonder all of Pauline doctrine hinges on Genesis chapter 15. And he believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. It's all right there. It's all right there in that first, this first mentioned thing. That's why we're going through Genesis, because really all of our beginning, especially our beginning in the new covenant, is seen here in, the, in Genesis, because Genesis isn't part of the old covenant. This is before the law came. These are our fathers of faith, those who just reached out and believed God and walked with him, even though they were sons of Adam. But yet by faith, God 
sought, made them righteous. And so now we're seeing a legacy of faith and what it, that legacy does for the next generation, for the up and coming generation. And God said, I'm going to bless Abraham and everybody after him is going to be blessed as a result because he's going to continue to pass this down. This is the first time that we see the words, the house of God in the scriptures. Right here in Genesis chapter 28, we get the first glimpse of the church right here. This long ago, in this experience that Jacob had with Almighty God. And isn't it awesome that in that setting, when he called the house of God, there were angels, there was a dream, hallelujah, there was God speaking, and even later on when Jacob woke up in the morning, it says he took that rock that he had slept on that night and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on it. What's this? Oh, now we're talking the anointing is in this place. This is the function and the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's all little descriptions of the church and what happens in our gathering, what happens in the house of God. This is, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, the house of God, the gate of heaven. See, this is where, this is a place where people hear this great gospel, they hear this great message, and they believe on the Lord. And at that moment, they are translated from darkness and into light. They, 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 they become more than just citizens of the earth. Now they are made citizens of heaven because this is the gateway to it. The gateway to heaven is in the house of God, is in the gathering of God. Most people who come to Christ come to Christ in the church. The vast majority of people who come to God come to God in church because somebody brought them to church, usually. Most of the time it was through a friend, a relative who brought them, and they heard the word they heard the gospel, and they believed right there. The church is the greatest evangelistic outreach ever. All right? And I can remember many times being in church made to feel like what we were doing wasn't as important as what we should be doing out there. Let me finish this thought for a moment. Made to feel kind of bad and condemned. You got to go out there. You need to, we need to do outreach. Well, what is this? What is this place? Why is this church here? This church is an outreach. We're here to reach this community. That's why this church is here. That's why the church was built. That's why this gathering is here. It's an outreach. Amen. Because this is where people get saved. This is the gate. Hallelujah. And you reach out, the, out there, you are equipped for the ministry here, and yeah, you go out there and you, you touch your co-workers and your friends and, and your community with what happens in here, what, by, by what you've been touched by here. But never underestimate the power of what happens here. This is an outreach. This is, the scripture says that this is a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. Right. Amen. Right. The gate of heaven, the house of God. It's where they, you know, the, the gospel is heaven's message to us. The gospel is heaven's message to us. Those angels that came and delivered this amazing message to the shepherds, they said these words, for unto you is born this day, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, which means somebody from heaven came down here for you. And then they said, and this was one angel announcing, and all of a sudden a whole host of angels came, and then they said these words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, that is, he who sits on the throne, the everlasting God who sits on an everlasting throne, is saying to you here on the earth, the message from heaven to earth is, 
peace and goodwill toward men. And this is the message that we continue to bring from heaven. This isn't our message. This is God's message to us, through us. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Man-made messages suck. All right? We need God's message. God's message is to us that Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again from the dead. There's peace through him to those who believe. And Romans says it like this, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the message, this message of grace to us. Heaven's message to us is grace and it forever will be. Let me say this to you. Grace isn't just for your time here on the earth. Grace is going to be with you and to you for all eternity. Your faith in God is going to carry you to heaven. (laughs) Your faith and His grace together are going to carry you to heaven. And when you see Him, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of need for faith at that moment. (laughs) But grace that comes from Him will continue to come to you. This is an an, an awesome thought. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 for a moment. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2. We will continue forever and ever to experience the awesome grace of God. Look at verse, good chapter. Now I want to say this because uh, I, I don't understand why this happens. Why the, our, the, the gospel, the grace of God gets denigrated so much and talked down on and, 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 and get called all kinds of names, cheap grace, greasy grace, sloppy agape, whatever they say. And they, they, they denigrate as if this message is not the real message, as if this message needs some other parts to it because it just can't be all about feeling good and it can't just be all about good stuff and God being good to us and the peace of God. We got to talk about all the other things. We need to balance this thing out. It's just, why is it always just grace, grace? I always talk about grace. I've been told that all the time. I had a, I had a student two days ago. Two, I've seen this kid twice. Twice, two days ago, I'm sitting in the lunchroom cafeteria at the school at Christ Nations, and I'm and I'm talking to some students there, and he walks up to me, he says, "Pardon me, can I just talk to you for a moment, Pastor?" I said, "Sure," and he said, "My name, I don't remember his name. Anyway, he says, I just need to repent to you because uh, I've had a lot of bitterness towards you since I've been coming to school." I was like, "Really?" He said, yeah. He said, because uh, all you do is preach grace and all that grace, and he said, he said, I just don't agree with that. I I, I go to a church where you know. Uh, we, we don't agree theologically. So I've made sure not to take any of your classes. And I just want you to know that I realized I was sitting in the seat of a judge and I want to repent to you because it wasn't fair to you. And I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate that, jerk. <laughs> but there's, this, there's this, this stuff gets people who don't understand it, people who have been trained in other things, Acting like the entire Bible, no, the whole Bible applies to me. Really? Well, not really. You still got your right hand, still got your right eye. You probably ate pork sometime in the last week, right? So it's, and you probably went to church on Sunday instead of Saturday. If you're going to follow the whole thing, you got to be in church on Saturday and Sunday. Because you're going to live under the law too, you got to have the Sabbath on Saturday. And then Paul says the first day of the week, so which is Sunday. So you have to go Saturday and Sunday. Man, imagine that. 
So it's just very confusing because it's hard, it's hard to just for, for us just on one level to just accept just the simple good news of the gospel. But you better get used to all of this, whatever you call it, all this hyper grace, all this abundant grace, because look what Ephesians says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, verse 7, that in the ages to come, what's he talking about there? In the ages to come, he, he's gonna, God's going to show us how holy he is. He's going to show us how awesome he is, how powerful he is. No, this says he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. If you think there's too much now, wait till you get to heaven. It's going to be exceeding riches of grace. So all we're doing here, my family, when we preach the grace of God, we're preaching heaven's message. It's a preemptive strike. Heaven's message. This is what God wants to give us over, obviously, over and over again for eons and eons. It's going to be grace, 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 grace. And it's, it's amazing to me that this is what God wants us to have. This is what he wants us focused on. The scriptures teach us that we would be strong in the word of his grace, that we would grow in grace. Amen. How did I get off on that? I don't know. Heaven's message to us, yes. I hope that, is this encouraging you? I'm encouraged. Amen. Amen. Translate. This is the place. Translated from darkness to light, from sons of wrath to sons of God. But you know something that Jesus said I think is also amazing too? Jacob called this, not only the house of God, but he called it the gate of heaven. And remember, he took that stone and he set it on and he made a pillar and he poured the oil on it. Took that rock. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples about his church, what did he say? Upon this rock... I will build my church and, watch, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because this is heaven's gate. Yes. And wherever we have access to heaven, heaven has no, uh, hell has no power. Hell can't do anything about what happens here because we're connected to heaven here. Right. Glory to God. Right. This is why we need to be in church and stay in church. Because hmm? the enemy's always looking for those opportunities. And there are lots of places where the gates of hell are prevailing for now, but not in the church. The gates of hell will not prevail here. And then 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I am delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the what? House of God, which is the church of the living God. Look, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So we see, we see the church right here and all the way in Genesis chapter 28. And Jesus talks about the rock. Upon the rock, he'll build the church. And then Paul says it's the pillar and the ground of truth. This all has to do with this moment right here, the very beginning of the house of God that we would all know as the church of the living God. Aren't you glad you're in church tonight? Amen. I want to I read the last bit of scripture there, uh, verse 18 of Genesis 28. 
verse 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Next. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which is house of God. Beth is house, El is God. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Now, that's interesting. Luz means almond branch. Almond branch. I think there might be really something to this that um, might need to study out some more. But what was Aaron's rod? Remember Aaron's rod that he had? It was an almond branch. Remember, it budded olives. The priesthood, the old priesthood, the priesthood that carried out the law, Jacob said, no, we're changing the name. Now it's the house of God. I think there's something to that. Okay, let's continue. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, that is, he opened that Esau gets over his mad, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Interesting. That the tithe and the house of God are meant to be together. She could have had a really good amen right there. but Abraham tithed to the priest. Melchizedek and Jacob tithed by when he got a revelation of the house of God. You see how God is showing us his design all along the way, what he had planned for our time right now, for our generation right here, thousands of years before. Our God is a genius. He knows what he's doing. Jacob, the name Jacob, just to, just to maybe help you tonight, the name Jacob does not mean deceiver. It means supplanter. All right? It means supplanter. God never called Jacob a deceiver. The scripture says that God said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Jacob have I loved. Now, what God is saying here, it's the same kind of compare. It's really a comparison. God didn't hate Esau, but in comparison to Jacob, it was like hate. Because remember the place where Jesus said, if you don't hate your mother and hate your father and hate your brother and sister, then you're not fit to follow me. Did Jesus really mean to hate them? Is this the message he's praying? No, he's saying, in comparison of your love for me, it's going to look like hate. This is, this is all God was saying here. Jacob have I loved. Think about it. If Jacob was a deceiver and Jacob said, if I'm a deceiver, then a curse is coming upon me. But we don't see ever that a curse came upon Jacob in his entire life. We only saw that God blessed him, God blessed him, God blessed him. God's not going to bless the deceiver. God did not like the guy who despised his birthright. The guy who counted it as common, as a light thing. But God blessed Jacob because Jacob wanted the blessing of God in his life. He clung to it. And later on, he even wrestled with God, the scripture says. He wrestled with God. And we'll talk about that a little later on because there's a lot of things that we're going to pull from that. But Jacob would not, Jesus, I mean, the, the, the angel of the Lord really was, which is ultimately is Jesus, told him, you got to let me go. And he said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I mean, God just loved Jacob's tenacity for the blessing. And he couldn't help but bless him as a result. 
Jacob was not a deceiver. Jacob was not a scoundrel. None of that's true. He's talked about like that all the time. Esau was the scoundrel. Jacob was blessed of God. Father, I want to thank you for this time together with my wonderful family. Thank you, God, for all those that are here at this moment and those who are listening by podcast. Father, I thank you for your great grace that has come to us. Thank you, Lord, for the church, that you are continuing to build your church, that this is the place where we meet, therefore you meet with us, God. And you, We know you're always with us and you're always in us, but there's something special in the gathering, how you manifest yourself and how you show yourself to us, God, in a corporate way, in this way of the body coming together, Lord. Lord, this is just a small glimpse of of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us here to this place, to this city, to this community, God, to be a light here. Lord, to see others come to heaven, to come to into the kingdom of God through this gateway called One Cause Church, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that, that, that uh, your people would be bold to declare, God, bold to declare your gospel, Lord. Lord, to, to invite others, Lord, to come to this gateway, God, that they may receive that life and life abundantly. Father, help us to ever be mindful of who we are on this earth, that we are members of the body of Christ. Lord, we're, con- we're all connected. None of us can do without another, Lord, but every joint supplies and every part does its share, Father. I thank you that you help us to grow stronger and stronger even as a church and as this corporate body, Lord, that we continue to increase and to grow, that you continue to bless us and increase us, God. Thank you, Lord, that all of these families that are here, all these precious people who come here week in, Lord, and week out and and are faithful to serve, faithful to give, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you watch over your word to perform it on their behalf, God. You see what they're doing. That, that Lord, they're, they're, they're more interested in laying up treasure in heaven, Lord, than, than, than getting reward here on earth, God. I thank you for blessing them in that. And Lord, oh, what a day that's going to be to see what, what that means, Lord, in heaven for them. Lord, all this time, all this sowing and all this giving and all this serving, God. Oh, what a blessing it's going to be forever and ever. And I thank you that you help their eyes to to always look to you, Lord, their hearts to always set their mind on things above and not on things in the earth and not get caught up in in the circumstances and forget that we are eternal beings. We're not living for now. We're living for them. We're living for eternity. Father, thank you that you put eternity in our hearts. And may we live our lives with that cause and with that drive, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your grace that abounds to us. And I pray now that peace and grace would be multiplied to them from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you for restoring. Thank you, Lord, for refreshing tonight. Thank you for strengthening, Lord. Thank you for bubbling up your joy in them, Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that is their strength. Thank you, Lord, for just washing over them afresh and anew with your spirit, God. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that the things, weights would be knocked off, Lord, by your anointing, by the flow of your spirit in their lives. Lord, and as, as they are living in the spirit, so may they walk in the spirit. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you that you blessed them in their going out just like they've been blessed in their coming in. Though their enemy comes at them one way, he'll have to flee in seven. Father, I thank you because you have blessed them 
and it cannot be reversed. Hallelujah. There is no curse that can stand against one who is blessed of God. Thank you that you surround them with favor as with a shield, God. Your favor is their defense. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that they carry in their mouths a message, that message of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now we implore others, God, to be reconciled to God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that you give us life in that more abundantly. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine up on you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.